Welcome back to the Barbell Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brett Scott, and with me here today is probably probably the biggest, burliest man we might ever have on the podcast. His name is Eric Dawson, and he is the owner of Titan Barbell in Stoneham, Massachusetts. It's a pretty kick-ass gym, and I've known Eric for quite some time now, and he's quite the accomplished gym owner, strongman, and coach himself. So I wanted to have him on today to share some wisdom about uh, training, strength, longevity, and mindset in the sport. So, Eric, welcome to the show. And um, just could you share some of your accolades with people here so they know um, what you can do? And also, how tall are you and how much do you weigh? Sure. Uh, thanks for having <laughs> me on, Brett. Um, I guess I'll start off. So, obviously, as you said, my name is Eric Dawson. Um, my... Uh, uh, vitals, if you will. I'm six foot five inches tall, and currently I'm sitting uh, between like 355 and 360. Um, that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. And then, as far as accolades go, uh, I've competed in strongman for the better part of 15 years. The last 10 of which I've done, uh, I've been a professional strongman, which I've competed uh, internationally. Uh, let's see. I think I'm at 10, 10 or 12 international competitions um, that I've done, as well as international competition here in the U.S. But I, when I say 10 or 12, I mean overseas. I've I've flown and uh, competed overseas um, about a dozen times. Um, I've been fortunate enough. I've won uh, like three or four of those. I've podiumed a few more of those. Um, and beyond that, uh, at one point, I had a record for stone of steel, which is a specific type. It's, it's not an Atlas stone. It's something kind of adjacent to that. Um, I currently am still the record holder for the rogue anvil, which is a grip event. So if you imagine a, the horn of an anvil, so the anvil turned 90 degrees, pick it up by that. Um, then let's see what else I would say that kind of generally summarizes the accomplishments in probably a, a short window. <laughs> What um, what is the grip strength you have, or what? How is that measured for the rogue record so, breakers? Yeah, so for the rogue one, um, that one specifically is an anvil. So it's a it's a, a cone like uh, implement that's made out of steel that you pick up with one hand, and then the weight is attached underneath. You have to pick it up, display control at the top like a lockout, like a deadlift, like a powerlifting deadlift, mm-hmm. and then display control on the way back down. It can't slip out of your hands. Again, just like a, a powerlifting deadlift. Yeah. And so how much weight or how much time did you hold that for? So it was it's for a, a one rep max, and I did 240 pounds of my best to date. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, and what about the stone? How much did you lift for the, uh, the stone of steel? You know, it's funny as I don't even remember at this point. <laughs> um, it was over 400 pounds, which at the time was, uh, if I'm going to toot my own horn, impressive because there was nothing but chalk allowed. Um, now they've yeah. they've done where they're allowing like a tacky towel, and that makes the grip on the stone much better. So since that one point, I had actually done a 500-pound stone of steel for two reps, but that was with, uh, like I said, that tacky towel. Um mm-hmm which definitely aided in the grip. Obviously, if you can, you know, I was able to do 100 more pounds. So it's a significant difference uh, versus just doing chalk. And when I had done it with just chalk, I think at that point, that implement was on the market for just a couple of months at that point. So not a lot of people had gotten their hands on on one. Yeah. And so 
what what is the big difference with that? Because that's something I've always seen too. So where I was at Spindle Barbell for a long time, I had the opportunity to do stones. And to me, it was not that fun. Uh, yeah. As a weightlifter, I was like, all right, this sucks. This is like manual labor of like I got stuff stuck to me everywhere, yeah. tacky all over the place. Uh, my hands are cut wide open. My arms are banged up. Uh, but what was the big difference of like using the implement? Because I was no expert at it by any means the few times that I was able to do it. So what what was it that makes the stone of steel different? Because I know it's I, like the big the big thing is it's steel for one, but how does yeah. it affect training with it? Sure. So the, the simplest answer, other than what you had already said, was the fact that it's made out of steel versus concrete is it's loadable, right? So you can you could theoretically load it in as small as like, you know, one and a quarter pound jumps or two and a half pound jumps, um, hmm. which can be it can be really nice because sometimes you're limited with concrete stones where the jumps may be 20, 30, 50 pounds between some stones, sometimes even more in certain strongman gyms that you may have a 70 pound jump between one stone and another. So this allows you to, you know, not unlike a barbell, load it however you want it. You know, the the potential downside, if you want to think of it like that, is it just takes, it does take more time. You've got to open it up. It has a special tool. You've got yeah, to make sure yeah. that everything is center loaded out, if you can imagine, right? So the heavier weight's in the middle and then you load it out from the center and you've got to make sure it's equal. You can't just drop it from the bottom to the top because then it'll be lopsided when you're trying to pick it up. Interesting. Um, so there's a trade-off with that, right? Obviously what you get with uh, being able to load it in those small increments, you trade off for like, sometimes it can take five to 10 minutes just to load the, the damn thing between attempts. Whereas with a concrete stone, it's just sitting there. Right. If you want to do it, you can do it. If you want to wait two minutes and do the next one, you can do the, you know, and I have to be bent over the thing, adding 10 pound plates. Yeah. 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 You guys put some work into uh, training implements with strongman. So uh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like I've the, seen guys come into the gym on a Saturday and spend their whole day loading sand into bags or into kegs or just fixing up equipment. So uh, the dedication you guys have to the sport is, um, very, uh, very applaudable. So, uh, now you've been doing this for 15 years. So what makes you just love, love this and be dedicated to it so much? That's a, that's a complicated question to answer in, in the sense of it's hard to, to put it exactly in the words. I've just, I've always been drawn to the sport ever since I was a kid. I watched world's strongest man. I've, I still, to this day, you go back and watch like world's strongest man episodes from, you know, 1977, 78, you know, all those. So I've, I've watched every single one of those competitions at least five times each probably. Right. Um, I've always been fascinated with the combination of, uh, having to be strong, having to be mobile, explosive, right? Um, having to learn how to adapt on the fly, right? Because you're doing things a lot of times that um, they're not standard, right? So, and good promoters will put in new events that people haven't seen before. So learning how to adapt on the fly and be like, all right, now how do I pick this up? Now what's the most efficient way to do it? And how do I do that going forward versus a barbell, you know, for the last, you know, however many hundred, you know, tens or hundreds of years. They haven't changed much. <laughs> decades. They haven't really changed, right? Maybe the knurling has changed. The amount of whip has changed. But a barbell is a barbell, right? And plates are plates for the most yep. part, right? Um, so that's something that has always drawn drawn me to it. Um, just that, like I said, that it keeps me mentally a lot more engaged, right? I don't, I truly don't know that I could compete in powerlifting or Olympic lifting. Um, 
just because I like the variety in the sport that strongman provides. I I always did have an appreciation too for strongman when it you come in and what was cool is like people would travel from all different gyms to certain gyms to train because this gym had this implement that no other gym had. Yeah. Uh, and, and go all over the place depending on what, a, what competition they had coming up and then going to a few competitions too and seeing like some of the thing, there was always like a mystery event and to see, you know, who is really the athlete to just come in and like figure it out on, on the fly is very interesting versus, you know, weightlifting, you know what you're doing, you know what the bar is going to feel like. Uh, you know, you might not know how strong you're going to feel that day, but the barbell is the barbell. It doesn't move where in, in your sport, there is very much this um, dynamic approach to it, which uh, I just have a big appreciation for. So uh, Eric, you mentioned too, you had a big, you know, you've had a lot of conversations lately about athletes on mindset and training. Yeah. So what, um, what things have been brought up that uh, you think you could share with some people out there? Sure. I would say uh, one of the things that's been kicking around a lot in conversations is uh, kind of mindset as as you age in, in the sport, both physically as a person as you age, but then kind of your training age too, right? And I don't know, you know, I know you probably understand that, but most people don't understand. So obviously if I'm, you know, 40, but I just started two years ago, my training age is two years, right? Versus me at 41, my actual training age is closer to, I think I'm at like 27 years of training now, right? I think I started, yeah, coming up on 27 years of training with a barbell. Um, you know, so just there's a huge difference between, even though we're both, say, for example, 40 or 41 years old, I've got a lot more mileage on me. So being a lot more intelligent about my training, and I've laid a lot of that foundational work in over 27 years that I might not need to push to the limit that people might think I need to, right? A lot of the times it's about being smarter and kind of waiting, you know, to shoot your shot, if you will, right? And kind of properly peaking for a contest and not just redline in 12 months a year, right? I think that's where both mentally and obviously physically, it's allowed me to stay honestly really fresh and in the game still and and competing at a, at a pretty high level, right? Uh, I've in the last year or so decided to do more masters competitions than than open pro competitions but i still will hop into some of the open pro stuff from time to time um but even that the the masters competitions of the the athletes in there are no slouches it's it's at the last uh, official strongman games i did um there was i don't know at least five or six guys who have made it the finals of world's strongest man one of them who's considered the best strongman of all time Zydrunas Savickas was there competing like uh -huh. so and you you can actually see that same approach it's not it's not by accident right that all of those guys that are doing it and I'm I'm even in that group on the younger side right there's mm -hmm. guys in their late 40s and there's a guy named Mark Felix I think he might be up to like 56 right now and he's still competing at an extremely high level and again, when talking to them, that approach of not just going nuts 12 months a year, right, has allowed you to, to do that year after year and just get 1% better, 2% better, right? Or rather, you know, as you age a little more, it's um, the term I use, you know, like for this is rate of decay. Like I can slow my rate of decay, right? Like yeah. let's be honest too, right? Like yeah. <laughs> let, let's also, I'm let's just call a spade a spade, like, for natural athletes like myself, like the, the rate of decay is going to happen, right? So if we can slow that rate of decay by making smart choices in our training, 
um, that will allow us to compete at a higher level for longer than if we just go nuts and then either we're physically just broken, right, or mentally just totally burned out, right, within three years of competing or five years of competing. I've, in my time of competing, I've seen people have meteoric rises and also just become totally out of the sport. Same. And, and it's, 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 it actually makes me sad. It's not even like a judgment on, from my side. It makes me sad because I saw the joy that, that, that the sport uh, brought them. And it's sad to see that joy leave, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a judgment thing from my side. It's more of a like, man, that sucks. You're no longer doing it. Right. Like, yeah. so if, if I can kind of help people, um, find that balance and I understand it's tough, right? Like, um, it's going to be tough to balance that mindset with I got to work my ass off to get to the point I want to get to. Right. Um, I don't want to ever make it seem like, um, you know, over the course of the last 15 years in strongman or 27 years of training that I didn't work extremely hard. Right. Uh, I did everything under the sun in terms of like training, like pushing myself to just complete exhaustion. Right. When I was a lot younger, Right. And I felt like at that time I did, that was necessary for me, both mentally and physically. But as I age, I just, I, I just can't. Right. I got to a point where I don't know when it was, it might've been, ironically, it might've been right around the time I turned pro or a little bit past that point, like a year past that point. I would had just pushed myself physically and mentally to a point where I remember talking to one of the guys I'd seen for doing body work and stuff like that. And I said, the next step is just duct tape. Just keep me together via duct tape for this competition. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause, um, and it wasn't long after that, that I just said, all right, I, I have to have a little more balanced approach and not ironically, I had better performances from there as a pro going forward. Right. Again, not a shock when you really think about it. in the moment you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. I'm, I'm not going to be the same athlete I was before. And, and it turned out to be better. I turned out to be able to perform better at that point, having a little more of a balanced approach. Right. And still working hard, but being smart in that process. Yeah, certainly. And, and I, that's one thing I was thinking of before we even hopped on this call is longevity in these sports. And, you know, even for me, I was in, spindel for almost four years and it was just like there were so many people you'd see come in and they were so gung-ho about you know whether it be weightlifting powerlifting strongman and you know three to six months you know they're in there they're crushing it they're making all kinds of progress and then just poof and and all of a sudden they're gone it's like what happened to this person it's like they just, they just quit they gave up they didn't want to do it anymore like the the worth wasn't there and it is sad and it's like yeah. how, how do we how do we balance that like hunger to get better in that obsession with something new that's fun? There's a lot of reward to it with, I think for some people too, it's like you get to maybe that six month mark or so. And it's just like, it's kind of where the rubber hits the road and it's like, all right, shit hits the fan. Now, now, you know, plateaus start kicking in now yeah. training. The reward isn't going to be there as much. Yeah. And, uh, now, now it gets really hard because now you're putting in a ton of time, effort, energy, and you're not seeing the big gains that you were getting in the beginning when you just started. So how do we, how do we combat that in the sport to make people see it? Because I think there's a lot of benefit to all these sports, you know, the community, yeah. the health benefits of just exercise and strength training, everything. But how should people approach things maybe a little bit differently, do you think? 
it's going to sound very hokey and cliche, but find find the joy in it. And if if it's not something, if you can't find joy in what it is you're doing, find something else. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever actually tried to talk someone into strongman training or tried to keep someone who I knew their heart wasn't in it, in it. I never once have had that conversation. You know, I've had conversation. I'm like, awesome. You want to train for a 5k now instead of strongman? I'm, I'm totally on board. If that's what you want to do and you find joy in it, that's great. Right. Um, yeah. I think that's what's allowed me and others that, that have that longevity to stay in it is it's it truly again it's very cliche but it, it is the journey it's not the destination right you get to a point where you're like i won this contest and maybe even a local contest and you're like that's it right and there's that almost sense of like oh that was it right or you win a big national level contest right and you're like i thought this was going to be the mountaintop and i thought i'd have this just amazing sense of um uh, not self-worth that might be a little too strong right but a lot of that is kind of wrapped up into it for people and then when it doesn't satisfy that then they're just completely um devastated depressed. yeah <laughs> yeah depressed devastated right whereas the the people that just they enjoy the process the day in day out and no do i love every single second of every exercise i do no of course not but I don't know. I truly, truly don't know, especially since I started Strongman. I don't know the last time I've ever dreaded a workout, one single training session, right? Mm-hmm. I may have certain, my own little anxieties about like, all right, this is what the program says. I've got to deadlift this much today. And uh, like, that's a lot of weight for me, right? Like, that's different. I've never once been like, man, fuck this, right? Like, I don't want to train, you yeah. know? I don't have that. I truly don't. Right. And if I ever, if I ever, ever, ever have that moment, I know either I'll just not train that day and just come back another day, or I'll have to re-examine at that point. Right. Like I always tell people, I got into this sport to have fun. I've still been having fun 15 years later. And the moment it's not fun for me and, or I don't want to put in the work necessary, I'll move on. I'm totally fine with that. I'll move on. But I haven't hit that point. And honestly, I don't see myself hitting that point anytime soon. Mm-hmm. right has has been being a coach or owning a gym or working in a gym or any of that like changed your motivation level or anything at all it's totally reinvigorated not reinvigorated that's the wrong way to say because like i said it's not like i ever lost it but i do get little like bursts of energy if you will from people competing absolutely right because i Back to that point of, of seeing that that person who kind of quit, like seeing that person start their journey and being like, you know, that that 10-pound PR and an overhead that was enough to hit contest weight is such an awesome feeling as a coach. And even if I don't coach the person, just seeing them in the gym hitting those things, like that definitely um, provides me with a lot of energy in, in that extra little little motivation to, to keep going. And again, not that I even need it, but it's just a fun, fun thing to be around, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's certain there's like two types of people like that, right? It's like there's some of us that are psychopaths like that that can do that and be in the gym and like that's our love, that's our passion. But we also can do this and it still has the the fun component to it, and there's still a reward there, um, yeah. which is very similar for me. Of like, you know, sometimes I feel banged up or whatever, and it's like I don't really want to like think about competing right now, and then I go coach them at a competition, like I. I need to sign up for a meet now and get back out. Yeah. There. Like this is too awesome. 
Uh, and then same thing, you see people PR. But then there's a lot of people that get into these sports or whatever, and then they go, oh, my next step is I'm going to be a personal trainer and work in the gym. And it's like, mm. not so fast. Yeah. I've, seen a, I've seen a lot of people like do a complete 180 where they start working in a gym, whether it's, you know, the high school, college kid, whatever, doing the front desk or, yeah. you know, cleaning the bathrooms or whatever. And you start spending yeah. a lot of time in those four walls. And all of a sudden that, that emotional stimulus you got from being in the gym just wasn't there anymore. And now their motivation yeah. to train has just completely gone downhill. And uh, I, I've seen too many people go down that, that train of like all of a sudden you see someone become a trainer and then they become the most out of shape person in the room because it's just like the last thing they want to do after training, you know, 10 sessions a day. It's like, you know, I don't want to push any more weight myself because I've just been sure. here all day. hundred so, percent. It's, it's work, right? It's still, your, your brain still thinks it's work. You're still in the physical space of where you're working, right? Yeah. And I think that's that's another thing that I think certain people, um, if you're a lot, if you are able to switch that mindset between you as the um, you as the athlete and then you as the coach, right, or at work versus at play, if you will, mm -hmm. right, that helps tremendously, right. So there's times where I'll just go into my office. I may close my eyes for five minutes. Um, I put on, and it's, it might sound weird to some people, but I put on 432 hertz beats, right? I'll close my eyes for 10 minutes and it totally just helps my mind reset. So when I go back out on the floor, I feel like I'm walking into the gym as if I was, I just drove to a new gym, right? And it helps, that helps me tremendously. What is it? 432 beats? 400. Yeah. If you look it up, uh, this is my, uh, my coach got me on this. Uh, Andy Trion is very, very, very intelligent um, guy. So it's 432 Hertz. Um, uh, I believe it's beats uh, per minute. Which are the, yeah. Binaural beats, I think is the, the actual term. So there's, okay. there's a whole bunch of different stuff. There's stuff that's those um, that specific tone is set to different stuff. Uh, there's, there's generally no lyrics involved. Right. Um, Okay. It's almost like if you can imagine, uh, it's almost kind of like what's playing in the background of what you would think is in the background of like a acupuncture studio or something like that. Okay. Right. The kind of yeah. like, boom, yeah. right. Okay. I, I, that's a terrible, like for anybody who's mutually inclined, <laughs> I apologize because that's a terrible impression. Impersonation. I am. So I'm going to come <laughs> back and I'm going to text you later and be like, no, that's not it. Yeah. But, um, but I am right about the name It 432 Hertz. Uh, like I said, it just, I, I know it doesn't work for everybody. It does work for me. I find like it just kind of helps totally clear my mind. I'll close my eyes for five, 10 minutes and it, it just, I feel like I'm in a different mental space. I'll have to try that. Cause that, that is one thing yeah. where I have the new gym and everything too. It's like, I find difficulty sometimes of like, I work from seven to five sometimes or eight to five, or whatever it may be. And then I'm in the same four walls. And it's like, you know, you can look up, it's like, Oh, why is this that way? Like, why didn't we fix this yet? Like what's going on here? And, uh, I haven't separated myself from work and my training is I'm half in half out and yeah. I've, I've needed something like that to just be like, and, and I've, I got a, um, what I started doing recently, I got an acupressure mat mm -hmm. and, uh, I'll just lay on that. And like that completely separates me from everything else. And I kind of just yeah. get into that, that mental space to kind of totally. like, okay, work is off. Train is on. Let's go. 
Yeah. Uh, but you know, and to be honest with you, at least in, in, um, in my experience, I don't know that you're ever able to 100, 100% shut off that part of your brain that owns it. Right. Like yeah. if you're the owner, that's everything 24, seven, 365, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Absolutely. If I'm resting between sets, I'm like, huh, well, why didn't, why didn't I do that? I have to fix this. Or I'll literally go and like get a mop and clean something up in between sets and stuff like that. Right. It's a weird analogy to people that, that don't know the like Marvel universe, but like the more recent version of the Hulk where he talks about like, we thought we had to be two different people that were battling. And then he ends up being like the smart, intelligent Hulk at the, at the end, right. Where mm-hmm. he's both right. Uh that's kind of how I envision myself in, in the gym, right? Like I'm not only a gym owner and I'm not only an athlete in that moment. I am both simultaneously. Right. Um, and it does help. I do. I do think people have been really respectful um, at the gym about understanding when it's my time to train, there'll be a lot less questions or they'll see that I'm training. They're like, I'll, I'll hit you up later. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been a huge help. Yeah. Setting boundaries for sure is one thing. Of yeah. Like- I, we have, you know, sometimes new people come in and I'm like, they'll be like, Hey, like, what's this exercise? I'm like, talk to Julia over there or whatever. Like she's coaching right now. I'm working out. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like what you have to do. And, and I think at the end of the day, people respect you for it. Yeah. Um, for sure. And then, so as far as, as your longevity in the sport, so six, 16 years you've been in strong band now. Uh, let's see. It's 2022. Uh, 15, actually, I think we are coming up on 16. Yeah. So, so what are your, uh, big tricks there? Because I don't, how many other people have been doing this sport for 16 years, especially naturally? Um, and for those of you that don't know much about strongman, not that there's anything wrong with it, but a lot of people are physiologically enhanced on performance enhancing drugs, which, uh, Eric here is not. So what, uh, you know, what, what pieces of training or, you know, what is it that that's kept you in it this long? Um, I think, so I don't know the answer in terms of how many people I know that I'm certainly not the, someone who's done it the longest, right? Like I said, there's guys that have guys and, and some women who have been doing it, uh, even longer than that. Um, but just from my own experience, I will say, you know, from the get go, I've prioritized mobility and stability, right? Like, I was very fortunate that the person I had learned strength training from at 14 prioritized not going too heavy too quickly, making sure your 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 stretch, you know, back then static stretching and stuff like that, right? Um, just making sure you're staying mobile. So it was always that balanced approach, making sure you stay conditioned so it's not um, – you, the pendulum doesn't swing too far into like just care about one rep max and not care about the rest of, of everything else with your health. Um, so I think that's been a big, big, big part of it for me as well. Um, prioritizing recovery, right? I get, I'm very regimented with my sleep, right? Especially when I'm leading up to a contest, I, I'm extremely regimented with my sleep, um, hydration, managing stress levels, uh, even nutrition, right? I'm, a, I am on the heavier side. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a, you know, 6% body fat guy, but like, as I've aged, my, my diet has gotten a lot better, which, you know, has allowed me, I, at one point was, let's see, how heavy, I was 410 at one point at my heaviest. Right. Um, and I, while I was technically, I was strong. I, I just felt like I was giving up more than I wanted. And I also just didn't like the fact that 
it was just harder to move around. It was harder to play with my daughters at that point and stuff like that. So I had made a conscious decision and I just said, even if it, you know, negatively impacted performance, I didn't care. Uh, but honestly, I not, again, not surprisingly people that know, like it didn't, I, I actually performed better once I started, um, dropping some of that weight back all those little nagging injuries, um, weren't nagging anymore. Um, and that helped a lot. Uh, being smart about listening to the difference between um, pain and discomfort, right? You don't want to just push through everything. Yeah, you got to push through, you know, you're in the middle of a set and it's challenging. Yeah, push through it. But ignoring pain in, you know, a joint or something like that, or you're like, man, this hamstring just feels like garbage. And just ignoring it for week after week, month after month. And then all of a sudden, like a week before your contest and you're, you know, two weeks out, you're doing your last deadlift session and it goes. It wasn't because of that session, right? It's because oftentimes <laughs> you ignored it over the last several months, right? And and I think I've, I've uh, you know, again, I'm not perfect. I've had stuff that's that's gone on, you know, too long, if you will, right? But I've I've avoided those major major things um, just from listening to my body and kind of understanding that balance again because mm-hmm. I've never cared enough. I've never cared solely about one date for the sacrifice of everything else, right? It's not as if I've said, all right, I'm putting everything I have into this date, and no matter what happens at the end, like you know, if I end up with two broken legs in the end, I don't care. Right. Like I've always care. thought of things. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I've always thought of things more in, in long term. right? Like honestly, from my career, I've never thought anything in shorter terms in like five years. Like I've, you know, people are like, yeah, I want, in six months I want to be this. I'm like, that's too short of a time frame in my head. Right. Like I never thought of anything less than like, where am I going to be in five years from now? Right. Yeah. Because to, to take that approach, like that's what it takes to your point, as a natural athlete, it just takes time. It takes time. And that's the thing that people, I think, struggle with, that uh, struggle with whether the, to do it or not do it. And if they, do, they choose to not do it, then they're comparing themselves with people that are and they're getting the results a lot quicker. Well, no crap, right? Like, you can make it to that mountaintop. It's just going to take you a lot longer. A lot longer. You got to be more patient. You've got to learn to to win in the margins, if you will. Right. Do all those other little things. Like I said, focus on sleep. Focus on this, that. Right. Um, and and um, pay attention to all those little things, and that's what will add up a lot more. And ironically, or not ironically, but um, all those same principles applies for even if you are on stuff. Right. Like you can't sleep two hours a day eat like absolute garbage, right? Be stressed out of your mind, not, not hydrate, stick a needle in your ass and then expect that nothing's going to go wrong. Of course, that's not the case, right? Yeah. 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 But, but I think some people who don't really understand a lot of that stuff, think it's just this total, like, um, you know, uh, genie in a bottle, just rub it and just boop, here it is. Right. You're right at the top. No, it's not how it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I want to backtrack a little bit because this happens especially with guys uh, in all of these sports, but trying to get big. Yeah. And it's like, why are we trying to get big is, is one of the big things. Some guys just want to look big or have this masculine look or be the strongest looking guy in the gym. You know, everyone has their different reasons. But from a PT perspective, I've seen like guys go to lay on my table and I'm like, dude, are you okay? Like your heart is ticking fast and you're just laying down. You know, what's going on? 
And I'm like, you know, how many calories are you eating? Whatever. And a lot of times too, I've seen, I've seen it, you know, and it's just anecdotal, but, uh, the guys that are trying to get big and they're eating a lot and, and more than like, is, you know, physiologically normal, uh, yeah. they just are moving so much poorly. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, everything's inflamed and like your body can only do so much, uh, with, you know, to get rid of, you know, filter metabolites of everything else and and you're just fueling yourself and we see all these injuries start popping up it's like well you know it's not that they're malnourished by any means but like the body can only handle so much strain and when it's growing that in in a sense is some type of strain on the body especially you know your heart's ticking faster all day they're working harder uh the body's just in the stress state and then all of a sudden you see these people go to start cutting weight and they might not have even lost much weight yet but give it a few weeks and like must be something with like inflammation is down. You just see these people like all of a sudden their mobility is better through, you know, systemically through all their joints and everything. And it's just really interesting to, to see someone go through that. Um, and then like you mentioned too, with that on top of, yeah, people trying to just train to get to the, the highest mountain as fast as they can is yeah. usually a surefire way to, uh, to not get there. And just yeah. those, those unrealistic expectations, which, which are hard to battle sometimes as a coach too. But I think there's a lot, especially now too, with like social media, people just see it. Like, Oh, this guy's doing this. I'm as good as him or I'm stronger than him. It's like, no, this guy's been in his garage every day practicing, you know, it's not just strength, it's speed, it's conditioning, it's volume capacity to do this. And, And I think the other thing people especially newbies don't see in these sports is repeatability, right? Like, like you said, like, I don't care if I can deadlift 500 pounds today. Like if, if I herniate a disc in my back and I can't do it for four months, well, uh, that one day it it didn't really matter. I want to see that I can do this repeatedly, at least on like maybe a weekly to monthly basis that I can come in. And, you know, as you get bigger and stronger and and more technical, you want to, you have less bullets in the chamber to do those things, but at some caliber, I want to be able to get at least over 90% pain-free, you know, maybe once a month or every eight weeks or so, depending on what caliber of athlete you're at. Yeah. And um, yeah, like you said, like, you know, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. A lot of people want to just redline it and they're, they're in there slinging it to a 10 out of 10 every day. And it's like, no, 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 let's slow yeah. it down. Yeah. And you know what? Um, one of the things with that, like sometimes people just have to learn, right? No matter what, no matter what we say as coaches, right? It's just kind of, it's like a kid, right? Like tell a kid, don't put their hand on the stove. Don't put your hand on the stove. Don't put your hand on the stove. They just get like, ah, I just need to, I just need to know what it feels like to put my hand on that stove, right? Mm-hmm. And no matter yeah. what we say, like no matter how well intended, and they know it, right? Like I've met a lot of athletes that are like, no, no, I understand. I'm not trying to rebel against you, but I just kind of got to do this, right? They'll, they'll find, right? Like it works, right? Like one of my favorite sayings is like, it works until it doesn't work, right? They'll go along and I'd be like, okay, right? They'll, they'll tell me the plan of what they're going to do, right? They're going to push, you know, da, 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 and I'm like, okay, okay, right? And then I'm like, that's going to, and they're like, what do you think? I'm like, that's going to work. And they're like, yeah. And I said, yep, it's going to work right until it doesn't. And then it's going to go horribly. And at that point, then we'll have another conversation, Right. Yeah. And that's happened. And they're like, yeah, it happened. Like you said, right. It worked, it worked, it worked, it worked. And then it didn't. 
and then either they got injured or totally plateaued, right? And then they have to come back, right? Yeah. And kind of like reassess and reevaluate. And it's not a, like I said, it's not even, it's 100% not a, I told you so. I'm not that type of guy at all. It's just more of a like, I, I want to, I want you to avoid the frustration that I and other people have experienced, right? If I have this mm-hmm. knowledge, I'd like to try to pass it on. It's not because I, I want to sit here and tell you, I told you so. It's the opposite. It's because I'd like to see you go through all that without the mistakes that myself and other people made along the way. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we, we see that in, uh, in the training side, that's it, one thing and yeah, it can stop working or people will get hurt and rehab. It's the same thing. Like people come in with pain and like I had a kid the other day, sciatica, like really bad sciatica all the way down his leg, shooting pain into his foot. It got better. And I told him, I was like, look, we're going to get to this point about four to six weeks into this where your pain's going to go away and everything's going to feel really good. And now we're in this really vulnerable and volatile spot where you're going to have this brain that says, let's go do things like deadlift again where we used to, but we don't have the capacity yet to do that. So don't yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it because you'll pay for it. I was like, if you're going to do it, we're going to start small, but let's not do it until I tell you to. He came in like raging sciatic again. He's like, what happened? He's like, I deadlifted. I was like, what did you deadlift? He's like, you know, 75% of my max. I was like, well, you know, there we go. Sure. <laughs> He's like, I know, yeah. you tell me. And I think it's, it's having that, the expectation there. You know, if I just told him, yeah, you're good to deadlift. And he goes and does it. That's one thing. But he had sure. that expectation where it was very much. And I think this is part of like being a good coach. It's not that you have to say, I told you so. Although I, I can do that a fair amount, but uh, giving someone that expectation of yes, this can work, but there's also the downside of like there's plenty of chances these certain things won't work at a certain point. And I think as an athlete, listening to your coach and and realizing that because I think a lot of people too uh, see this and they want to they don't want to always take ownership of things for themselves anymore. Yeah. You know, I've had athletes where it's like. They have these goals and we surpass them. And and I saw that this person could do more and you get them there. And then it's like, you know, you go to this national competition and then it's like, well, I want to work with this other coach that's had more athletes or whatever. It's like, all right, cool. If you want to send your videos remotely to someone, even though you could be in the gym with me five days a week and get feedback and, and we put 40 more kilos on your toe than you thought possible, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um. So just having those expectations of like what can work, what's not going to work, how this is going to go in the future is really important. I think for athletes to realize like, you know what? My coach did tell me this six months ago or like when your coach is having these conversations with you, be cognizant and see what happens, you know, six from six months from now of was he right? Was he wrong? You know, is there something to what he was telling me before that I need to go back and listen to a little bit more? Because uh, most of us have seen a lot of it that have been doing it for a while. And yeah. there's there's a lot there that people think they have this this capacity to do more sometimes than they actually do. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And to be honest with you, at a certain point, again, going back to the aging process, like the answer isn't more. It's often less. It's often way less than you think. Yeah. Right? Or, or rather more recovery more the everything that isn't lifting super heavy right yep right but that's not what feeds the ego right like so if you can put that aside and understand right like i had one friend like i said i uh i credit andy my coach andy 
a lot with this. Uh, I forget. I honestly don't even remember when I started working a couple of years ago. Um, I knew I was at a point where I just said, I know how to beat the ever living hell out of myself. I, I can do that. I did my own programming for a while. Right. And it worked. It truly did. Like I, I'd done well. I had won, you know, one big competitions, but I also knew that like I was aging and if I had kept pushing in the manner that I was, I wasn't going to be in the sport much longer. Right. And part of uh, me hiring him was two twofold. One, I didn't want to think about programming for myself. Right. You write enough Talks. programs. You're like, I just, <laughs> I just want, just like everybody else. I, who hires us, right? Like I want somebody else to just send me that, whatever it is, the program I followed blindly, right? Not blind. That's too strong, but without uh, thinking about it, without this thinking about doing. it, without thinking about it ahead of time. Right. And a lot of his approach is, uh, we're not pushing heavy weight a ton of the time, certainly in the off season or, or coming off of a contest. If I don't have something else coming up, um, it's a lot more, form-based and uh, being cognizant of movement patterns and and those kind of things that um, I think are really important to kind of help address those things. So potential injuries down the road aren't occurring with heavier load, right? I think that's that's something that's too often overlooked in, in strength sports is, is peeling back enough. You're like, well, what, well, if I'm not deadlifting super heavy, you know what I mean, nine months a year, 12 months a year, I'll just lose all of it, right? Or if I'm not doing this heavy or that heavy all the time, I'll lose it. Mm, not really, right? Like there may be certain things where like you've got to keep a certain baseline, right? Like I'm not saying just totally stop deadlifting. That's not my point, right? But but feeling like you need to go heavy often enough is actually not the answer, especially as you as you age, right? No. Um, oh, it's interesting yeah. you bring that up. So <laughs> weightlifting for me is a really good example. So I've always been a pretty decent deadlifter. Um, I love deadlifting. Like sumo deadlift is my thing. Like I'm probably better at that than yeah. anything else I do in weightlifting, honestly. Um, but I just don't enjoy training for powerlifting like I do weightlifting. So I, I chose weightlifting. I just I have an infatuation with that sport. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, in weight weightlifting versus powerlifting, very different because our intensities and our loads are different. So. You know, with powerlifting, you are lifting a very high neurological level threshold or intensity of load where – and weightlifting, relatively speaking, like you can squat a lot more than you can snatch or you can clean, right? You can deadlift a lot more yeah. than you can clean. So we're just not lifting the same weights, but we're doing the frequency probably two to three times as much. So every yeah. day, you know, we have three main movements, uh, you know, and two of them are snatch and clean. So everything's coming from the floor. Everything is a deadlift and everything yeah. is some form of a squat. So I never, so I, when I really got into weightlifting, I didn't deadlift like a conventional or a sumo deadlift. I didn't touch it for nine months. And I had a 485 deadlift at the time. I came back and I had a big competition. I, I took a few weeks off and I went back and within three weeks, I four hit 485 for not a single, but a double. Yeah. And it was just like a big piece to me. It was like, I don't have to push everywhere. It's all the time because, you know, I had a 485 deadlift, but my, um, you know, the most I was lifting and weightlifting was just around 300 pounds. Um, sure. Yeah. So a big difference in weight and just that frequency and you're training different aspects of it, the speed, the power, um, you know, just force vectors into the ground and everything are all similar enough where um, 
you know, not the same pattern, not the same exercise, none of the intensity there. Yeah. The trait stayed, stayed there the whole time. So it definitely is something, it was a good like reflection for me to be like, Oh, you know, we don't have to kill ourselves all the time to, to yeah. be strong when we want to be. Uh, if I just choose a couple weeks to actually ramp it up and, and train that aspect again. So, yeah, a hundred percent. And then, and actually, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I know you go ahead. No, I was just going to say it, uh, stuff like that's always reiterated. It, like when I talk to other people, um, when I was out in Norway, I was actually, Ed Cohn was there for the whole week. We were there mm. and chatting. He was doing a, a seminar talk and, uh, we were catching up afterward and he was saying that in his off season, he wouldn't do any conventional power lifts. So his deadlift might be a snatch grip deficit, right? Like, or a, a, a stiff leg. He'd do stiff leg or like RDLs for like nine weeks after a power lift meet where he wouldn't do his traditional, right? His like modified sumo mm-hmm. stance. He's like, he's like, I know he's like, my technique was perfect with that. He's like, I know how to do that. I'm strong with that. In order to get the stimulus out of that, I need to push in a way that I shouldn't that far out from the next meet, right? Mm-hmm. So he was doing that, or he'd do high bar close stance squats for weeks on end, mm-hmm. right? Um, then bench, he you know he talked about like doing different bench variations. The whole point is that like, you know, think about that, right? Like who that is and what he's accomplished. And he's saying like, after a meet. When he starts, or rather, when he starts his meat prep for the the following one, right? He always worked. He always said he worked backwards, right? Like this is one I want to hit at the meet on that day, and he worked backwards. Now the first eight weeks or nine weeks of that prep are nothing to do with what he's actually competing in, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's an important lesson that, again, longevity. A guy who competed at a very high level for very long, right? Um, is telling you stuff like that. You don't need to bang your head against the wall doing the same thing, you know, trying to hit 85, 90 plus percent week in, week out with the same three lifts or same two lifts, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, something we we see too in in physical therapy all the time. And uh, we call it the movement pyramid of, you know, just like you have your old, the old school food pyramid, but with movement is, you know, at the top we have skill. So that could be your, you know, competition level strength movements, whether it be strong man, weightlifting, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are going to take, you know, uh, agility, strength, speed, coordination, endurance, what have you. And then under that you have your capacity of this is your endurance, your strength, your power outputs, things we're going to typically train as traits in the gym. And then under that, we have your basic movement competencies of mobility, stability, balance, motor control, whatever. And so many times it's just like you hear people tell you their story of what, how they ended up in my office. And it's just like, yeah, you put the horse before the car or the cart before the horse. And it's like, you're missing all these little basic competencies or capacities and you're trying to do this high level skilled work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And then you show them a visual and they're like, Oh yeah. And 90% of training injuries could probably be prevented if we just had more time with the fundamentals. So many of it too, like especially power lifters, Getting a powerlifter to stand on one leg, if you're a powerlifter and you're listening to this, like you 
there's a 99% chance you need to stand on one leg more often and exercise in a single leg variation. And 99% of your issues will probably go away. 100%. Along with, to that exact point, right? One of the things that I do, we do like in foundational stuff, you know, post, post competition, stuff like that. Things I suck at that I'm, I've been getting better at over the years, single leg deadlifts, Copenhagen lifts, right? Like dead bugs, bird dog stuff, right? Like all those little things, right? It's not putting 1,100 pounds of yoke on my back, right? I've done that. I know how to do that, but like that'll beat the hell out of me. But if I don't have those foundational things, right, set in place, if I go take that 1,100 pound yoke again, it could be catastrophic, right? Yeah. Have you, know? you ever had any big injuries? I remember it was a couple years no, ago. I, I heard you like you tore an Achilles or strained a calf or something. Uh, I tore a calf. Yep. That yeah. that so that's the only muscle I've torn. I tore a calf uh, doing a tire flip, um, and that was really. I mean, so I've had a, a lifelong kind of battle with a low back injury that over the years I'd heard everything. Like I don't know. I saw every one guy wanted to put me in a brace basically from my chest to my pelvis, right? Because he thought my spine had infused together. Mm-hmm. Um, to one guy just said, you're just not doing enough sit-ups and planks, right? Uh, to everything in between, right? And I ended up getting um, what, through kind of just self-discovery, I, I ended up listening to uh, Greg Cook um, speak, yep. and he talked about how um, what's the, basically to summarize, like the, what's the issue is not actually the issue, right? He's like, go look up or down the chain, right? And he's like, you know, basically talked about the hips a lot more. And if there's a, disfun- if there's, you know, pain in the low back, it might be dysfunction in the hips, the glutes, right? Like all of that. And that kind of led me into that. And so over the years, it's gotten a lot better for sure. Um, it'll flare up every once in a while, but I now know so much more about it to know, when a flare-up might happen and totally head it off or if it does happen learn to just shut it down immediately and only be down for me or down quote unquote like um for Paused. a day or two versus yeah. like two weeks right mm-hmm. plus we're like in the past i had had times mm-hmm. where like for a week i couldn't I, I could barely get out of bed that type of like locked up pain right mm-hmm. so um, that's something i was thinking know. of too I, I was wondering about your back because i've yeah. seen eric a couple times for his back Something I might want to revisit with you, because uh, you saw yeah. the very young Brett as a clinician, and now yeah. I've got a couple more years of experience under my belt and a lot more training. So um, something we could talk about after, because um, I almost just want to revisit and reflect on it for my own good too. Sure, so it might yeah, be um, that might be good to uh, go back to. But yeah, um, anything else you have that you wanted to uh, speak on about? you know, training, recovery, longevity here? I would say, yeah, one one last thing. Um, I think one of the things that mentality-wise, especially as you age, um, comparison, right? Meaning I don't, one of the things that's helped me, and I just had this conversation with a, a friend of mine, I don't compare myself to the 32-year-old version of me, right? Because guess what? I'm probably going to come up short in certain aspects, right? Like, um, I compare myself to the, you know, I'm trying to be the best 41 year old version of myself, right? Cause if you, if you, if you're comparing yourself to the best version, you know, quote unquote, the, you know, if you're at a point where like you feel like the best years of you are behind you, you're always going to fall short, right? 
if you if you're using that com, uh, that mentality that comparison i don't do that i just say all right here's the best i'm going to try to be the best you know 41 year old version of myself right and that's helped out a lot because then i'm my mind is free of saying like yeah i you know i did do something heavier than that at one point right and part of the other thing is i actually am getting stronger in a lot of places like i'm actually i just had somebody build me a uh an Atlas stone that's going to be heavier. I'm going to try to go for like a 550 pound Atlas stone in the next few months. And I'm hitting certain PRs on certain things. I've truly like all time PRs, right? But certain things, I think I, some of my better lifts are, are probably behind me and I'm totally fine with that, right? If I, if I only do, you know, 98% of what I did before, 95% of what I did before, I'm happy with that, right? Um, so like I said, I think trying to not compare yourself because again, at a certain point, it's it's totally a losing battle. Nobody, no 55 year old version of somebody is better than the 35 year old version of them or 25 year old version of them. Assuming again, assuming that 25 year old version of them was like the peak, right? Like physical and everything, right? Like if they got into it at 54, then of course maybe a 55 year old version of them is better, right? But that you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a lot there too of comparing yourself. I think at that level too, especially day to day in the gym of there's less you need to compare to your prior self or just to others, whether these people are your age, younger than you, older than you, whatever. Like I feel like the older you get in these sports, especially with your training age, um, because the thing with training age too, is you learn to become much more efficient with, firing motor neurons and patterns and and Mm -hmm. things so there i've found this too of like and when i was you know when i was younger a i was younger just you know physiologically nerves fire faster we recover faster hormones are in better levels genetics are just more at our advantage than they are as we age after 26 or so but then there's the whole life stress too of like yeah when i was a college and i literally just i had to find food (laughs) Yeah, uh, work ten hours a week, study, and go to the gym whenever I had the free time. Uh, yeah, and now it's like, okay, now I have a business. Now I have ten employees. Now I have a home. I have to make sure, like, we're you know, putting money down for and and whatever else. And I have all these different plans on top of I'm just older. But I've noticed with my own training now too is like I have many more unsuspecting good days and also just as many like unsuspecting bad days, which is okay. True. And it's like not every day. The only day that really matters is your competition day. Right. Yeah. And yeah. maybe a few like peak days before that where it's like, I don't, you know, it, it doesn't matter if someone next to me had a good day, like good for them, but no shame in me. Like this is part of training in, in a way of, um, yeah. If you just keep getting down on yourself because you're having bad days, you know, then you're taking the fun out of it for yourself. Yeah. And, and it's really important to, to not be doing or comparing yourself to you or the others, because as we get older and things too, we don't want to be, we only, we get less shots in the chamber or less bullets in the chamber. So we, we can be okay with not having a really hard training day. And, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Andriana, and uh, I actually want to have him on the podcast. I've never really talked to him. I've heard him speak before, and I've seen a lot of guys train under him. Yeah. And it seems like he just has a very different style of like programming and things too. Where I, 
I haven't seen many in like phenomenal coach. Like he has a lot of high level guys he coaches now, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, a lot of it seems like it's like, and I've seen him talk a lot too, just about like energy systems and intention mm-hmm. and this and that. Like very few days does it seem like his guys are slinging a lot of weight around. Yeah, and maybe they are like just by the nature of just how strong they are, but. It's not comparatively it's not, for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Comparatively for them, not as much. Yeah, and it goes back to to that exact point you were just making too. Is like one of the things I like to try to tell people is like train for the date, not the day. Meaning, you know, if you're competing, you're competing on October 30th. Train so that you're at your peak October 30th. I don't need you to set a PR. Or want you to set a PR September 12th, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Too too many people are like, yes, I won today. I won today's training session. Right. Like I went off program and I hit a PR. You're like, great. Like, and then they just totally bomb at, at, at a meet. Yeah. Right. You're like, I don't need you to be at your best today. I need you to be at your best that day. Right. Which is also, it also goes in, it ties in with, um, I always joke with people and tell them like, oh yeah, go ask like Brian Shaw or go ask like, uh, Steffi Cohen, like what's the one training day that you can remember that led to that championship right mm-hmm. nobody they'd look at you like you're crazy because there is no one single day of training that led to that the point is that it's a cumulative effect right they're not like i remember on july 12th i put on this dmx song and that totally is what won me world's strongest man six months later no yeah. that's not how it works right yep uh yeah. that's actually that's a really good point is uh, I've seen this as a coach too. And you see this with, this is the thing too, with, with people that are new to the sport is like, don't let that, that first competition freak you out uh, and stress you out. Because like at the end of the day, at the end of the day, no one really cares <laughs> except you like yourself yeah. competing. Yeah. And, uh, and you see everyone like, you know, two, three weeks out from their first competition, like everything becomes super important. Every training day, is you know they're so so gung ho about it, and like when when something goes a little bit off or a little bit wrong, then perfect, everyone loses their minds. Yeah, and it's like, and then a lot of them go out and they have just a just a very good you know competition day, and the adrenaline's there, or whatever. And every good athlete I've had, and even not not good athlete, like you're at the meet, and I always kind of reflect on after, and I'm like, what was it? It's like this person just they have a good mindset. They've been training consistently. Uh, we didn't have sl- just like a slew of like, you know, some pe- some athletes will go through a funk of like months, especially in weightlifting, like just your snatch will be off, your clean and jerk will be off, and then all of a sudden they switch. And it's like, ah, oh, you yeah. know, some of these things happen, but it's not like there was one bad day that ruined this person or, um, yeah. you know, one really good day that landed them in the position they got to today. Yeah. The The other piece with that too – like you said, and this is something I test. Weightlifting is interesting where it's one of the only sports because I think it's the, the intensity is lower, the recovery is faster, that a lot of times you will – some coaches will have people PR or try to like hit a heavy single the week before the competition, and then you taper down for that week. But I've also – I kind of beta test this all the time with athletes of like one meet will do – will max out. And then the next meet, I won't have them go past 95%. Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's all we're doing. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, 
I should be trying like to see what I can do. I'm like, we'll find out on meet day. Like, yeah. you know, you're still gonna if you can hit 95% and it's clean, like you should have good confidence going into that meet. I was like, God forbid we try to hit a hundred and you miss. Yeah. And then you go out to do it on meet day and you don't know if you can do it. That's not yeah. a good headspace to be in. And um I've been 100%. finding percent. I've been finding 100%. been finding that the people do much better with that like ninety five percent keep it hungry. Uh, yeah. does a lot better and then they just have a, a you know they, they won their training because they hit what coach said to do, even though yeah. they're mad they couldn't go heavier. But um yeah, it's definitely uh definitely little mind games we, we can play with people sometimes too. Yeah. So yeah. Um that was a lot of good stuff we had there. And um geez, how do we summarize this idea? <laughs> Usually I have like an agenda to write it down, but uh, COVID had killed me. So yeah, I guess the, the big main themes there is uh, take it slow, train for uh, train for the competition date and not to just beat the day. Uh, you usually need to do less than you think. More is not always better. Um, do some of the things you suck at in your off season. Don't always just do what's fun or what you feel is like you want to do. Uh, what else do we have there? Binaural beats. I'm going to listen yep. to binaural beats now. Yeah. 432 hertz. 432 yep. hertz. Does it not then, work? I... Does it not work <laughs> if I go to 433? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. I, okay. I've never been brave enough to try. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, right. at the, la- the only other thing I'd say is just find find something you find joy in, right? Yep. Whether it's a strength sport, something else, right? You want to just, you're like, I just hate this. Then go do something else, right? Yeah. You and everybody else around you will be will be better for it. Yeah. Right. Go find something you you find joy in that when when it really really sucks and those training sessions are really really hard, you still want to do it, right? Find whatever that is. Yeah. And and when it does suck too, don't be afraid to take time off and go do something else because. Yep. The sport's not there and you're not going to lose it all from not training that intensely yep. all the time. Um, just like I said with my deadlift, you can you can not do it for eight months and it's still there. Do something yep. else that's it's a little more fun. And you might come back and even be better at it. So, uh, Well, thank you, Eric, for coming on. This was uh, just a good chat, coach to coach, and uh, a business owner to business owner, gym owner. And um, where can people find you? Or your um, gym? Yeah, Jim on social media on Instagram is Titan Barbell. It's just at Titan Barbell on Instagram. Same thing on Facebook, just Titan Barbell. Um, I also have an, my own personal page on Instagram. It's Cookie Monster Strongman is my own personal page where I'll put up some my own training stuff. Um, what is your tagline yeah. on there? I saw that. I laughed last night, actually. Uh, what do they say? Uh, they call me a monster, but I just love cookies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And then, or email, if you want to email, you want to check out the gym, uh, just Eric E R I C at Titan barbell.net. The pretty cool gym. It's a pretty cool environment. I've had the opportunity myself to do probably the biggest seminar I've still done in there. So maybe I'll have to yeah. come back to do another one at some point and Definitely. revive myself. And, um, yeah, Eric's a great guy. He's got, um, a lot of informational wisdom under his belt. So feel free to, uh, check out his gym and you won't be disappointed there. 
And uh, for all of you that uh, enjoy the podcast, we have a few awesome guests coming on in the next few weeks. We've got some more lined up. So we'll be talking about um, TRT and steroids, female pelvic health. And I got a couple others lined up that um, I just can't think of off the top of my head. So everyone, thanks for listening and hope to see you back next time. Take care.